Thanks for listening to the Headliners Podcast. Look for episodes every Thursday. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor. Check us out at thenorthernstar.com. Welcome to the Headliners. Jared's out for the week, but don't worry. James is still here. On today's show, we're going to talk some MLB playoffs, Baker Mayfield versus Richard Sherman, the NBA in China, plus what the 76ers did to a couple of fans. And of course, we have to talk about Gronk's new gig. James will be joined by Matt Becker and Brandon Geisey. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Guys, the Cardinals are killing the Braves and it's the second inning. <laughs> this, this is ridiculous. This is historically ridiculous right now. The Cardinals sent 14 guys to the plate in the first inning <laughs> and scored an MLB postseason record 10 runs in the first inning. And they scored in the second inning. It's now 11 nothing. I mean, before we were recording this, I was asking Jarrett because, you know, we're recording this during the game, so I was saying, you know, how, how are we going to handle it while they're playing? They kind of handled it for us. Really don't have to talk about that too much. Pretty much just the Braves. Good season. Go get them next year, boys. It, that just is too bad because they had so much promising young talent around that team. I mean, Ronald Acuna Jr. is just a bona fide star. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before, I'd, I'm not here trying to write off the Braves yet because <laughs> I'd love the story of the Cardinals blowing an 11 nothing lead this early. Yeah, 11 nothing <laughs> In an elimination game. That would they, be... They get an advantage no team has seen ever in the history of, of playoff baseball. And, I mean, they, there's plenty of time to blow it. Atlanta gets a, <laughs> a good couple innings, and they're good. They're in the clear. <laughs> I, I can't imagine a situation where you blow an 11 nothing lead in the postseason. But I also would never have imagined a situation where you where score you 10 an, runs Where in you the get first. an 11 run advantage. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just insane. They they had they sent 14 guys to the plate. I'm pretty sure at some point they hit three consecutive doubles. Like, how often does that happen? It is exciting that in the NL there is the potential for arguably two of the worst playoff teams and two teams that earlier in the year a lot of people wouldn't have had in the playoffs competing for a spot in the World Series of the Cardinals and the Nationals. And, for that matter, having the two teams that have been at the top of the NL in L.A. and Atlanta just be bounced. Like, if if it, if Los Angeles gets bounced the way it looks like Atlanta's going to be bounced, that's demoralizing, yeah. especially for a team that every year comes in and is getting has been getting inch by inch closer to getting a World Series title. So, actually, that's kind of funny because my favorite series to watch so far was definitely St. Louis-Atlanta. I thought they had the closest games throughout. I mean, most of them weren't decided until the seventh inning or later, which is pretty cool. But that L.A.-Washington series has gotten really interesting because Washington is really set up, if you really think about it, to be just good enough on the mound to beat you in just five games. If they played the Dodgers in seven, They'd be in trouble. They'd be in big trouble. But because it's in five, you have to face Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. Only them. And sometimes you have to face those a combination of those three on the same night. So they are just like the perfect little four-seed team that they might not be able to beat you in seven, but in a short series, you're going to have a really hard time getting to their guys on the mound. And in general, I just like the idea of the Nationals – 
they get rid of Bryce Harper and the next year it seems like all of their issues that they've had in the postseason in the past of choking away games and choking away series, it just goes away the second Bryce Harper, the be- one of the best players in baseball, leaves town. And also uh, this Houston-Tampa Bay series has been interesting, I think, because uh, I th- think there's a legit, like, whoever comes out of that is a legit contender to win the World Series, I think. Tampa Bay does something really interesting, too, is that they don't, Okay, so they're, Tampa Bay and Houston are almost exact opposites, right? Houston, you think of the big three in Cole, uh, Verlander, and Granke. When you go to Tampa Bay, they, they're just like, we don't even care about a starter. We don't even care about relievers. We're just going to throw everybody two innings and have fun. So, like, last night they started Diego Castillo, right? And this guy's throwing 99-mile-an-hour heaters that are moving like sliders, and it's, it's just insane electricity. And they don't pitch a guy more than two and a third innings the whole game and they beat the best offensive team in the MLB and the best pitching team in the MLB. I mean, shame on me for not doing my research, but is it, I heard that Verlander is pitching on three days rest in yesterday's game. Is that true? That is true, yeah. He was on short rest. So I, I don't want to bounce around too much, but I feel like with this Nationals-Dodgers game tonight, game five, Strasburg's on four days rest and Bueller's on a full, Walker Bueller's on a full five. So I feel like that might give the Nationals a full an advantage, but yeah, I, th- I definitely feel like the Rays are definitely a dark horse team. I mean, I, I feel like everyone just penciled in the Astros to be in the World Series before it even started, so the fact that they're pushing it to five is very impressive. I mean, three of the four series go to five games. You can't ask for a better entertainment value if you're the MLB. And then you got to look at it, and you're like, the teams that you thought were going to sweep are not. Are and, in trouble. Yeah, they're in trouble. They look defeated, like... Last night, when you watched the Houston Astros take on Tampa Bay, after, like, the fourth inning, the Astros didn't do a thing. It was like they just rolled over. They hit one home run, scored one run, and that was it. It was like, literally, they just evaporated. The the dark horse, I think, still in this whole series, maybe it's St. Louis. I mean, if they get a shot to go one-on-one with either the Nationals or... Uh, the Dodgers, they have enough talent, I think, to beat one of them. But I still think in the AL... You got the World Series winner there, right? In, in the AL, probably. It's the Yankees or the winner of the... The Tampa. Yankees, I'm surprised how well they did, how yeah. well they did against the Twins. The Twins, I, well, a lot of the Twins' basis of their attack is they're so heavy on offense. So Home runs. Yeah. They hit the most home runs that they've ever hit before, and... That just completely went wayside. Yeah. I feel like I feel like the Twins, while they, I think they finished three or four games behind the Yankees in the overall standings once it was all said and done, I feel like they were kind of popcorn muscles. I mean, you got the, the Yankees, they played, they had the uh, the Rays and the uh, Blue Jays. Or no, they had the Orioles and the Blue Jays who were, you know, bottom of the league teams. AL Central, you have the uh, the Royals and the Tigers, two of the, you know, the two bad teams. But the Yankees also had to compete with the uh, the Red Sox and the, who was that? The Rays, yeah, and the Rays. So I feel like, I feel like the Twins might have been like a little popcorn muscle. They had like a way easier schedule, so I feel like they maybe they weren't as legit as everyone thought they were, just based off their you know opponents throughout the year. And they were really good to start the year, like unbeatable, right? And then they ran away in the Central, and then things got close with them and the Indians, and then by that point you're looking at it like, are they really who they said they were? I mean, they were beatable, and they were at a point where they might not even make it at all. And then they just came in, and New York just completely blew them out. Something that, uh, not – playoff related to baseball we kind of talked about it earlier at our meetings uh the a's potentially moving to los and or las vegas rather 
this coming the year Tampa Bay throws around the idea of like playing half their season in Montreal and half their season in Tampa Bay and they might end up with a World Series title at the end of it. And and that's the part of the thing that I find most interesting is that like I can the first playoff series I remember watching as a kid was uh, the Phillies and the Rays and it just at the time I didn't understand the difference in attendance numbers between, say, the Trop and in Philadelphia, or or for any other stadium for that matter, it's going to be really weird seeing like a World Series now at Tropicana Field. I feel like. Can you imagine like being the Oakland A's, and you're like, oh, we love Oakland, and then the commissioner of your sport comes in and is like, you should move to Vegas, and then you think to yourself, we've always been a small market team, right. And Vegas is a big market city. I mean, can you imagine having a baseball team in Vegas? That's why the Ra- the Raiders are going there. Who wouldn't want to go? You know, you're there for a week. Yeah, Vegas Vegas is quickly establishing themselves as a place for sports teams to go. It all uh, started with the Knights. Yeah, it all it started with the Knights, and it in part just they were able to build enough stuff around the Knights to start with, with the UFC frequenting at, at uh, T-Mobile Arena, and now they're building the stadium. It's... It's interesting to me because I think this is something the Oakland A's moving out of Oakland is something that's like been in the in the I don't know how to say this. <laughs> it's been like in the conversation. It's it's been something that's kind of been on the back burner for a long time it feels like considering the issues they've had at that stadium for a long time. I know they've had like sewage leaks at that stadium for a long time. It's an old stadium. There's always complaints of about Switching between the baseball and football, uh, I, I guess seating. Like I like it, but I can imagine that it's not that. F- I can imagine for fans, like if it's you're going to a baseball probably. game, I don't imagine. Like if you're going there as a fan, it's not that much of a factor. I can imagine, but as a player, I sure I'm sure it gets annoying. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just the idea of them change. They're already a playoff team, right? And then you get to go to a top. Uh, what do you think? Eight five market maybe can you imagine if they had money i mean i'm reading right now and i would heard about it before oakland i think they're they're in talks or it's moving pretty close they're going to build a new stadium in oakland yeah i did hear that too but then this this came out today right this rob manfred this surfaced today that apparently they're talking about just the possibility of moving them from oakland to la l not la las vegas which i think is a push just kind of happening across sport you know someone's got to move there, right? Someone's got to go to Vegas. Wouldn't it be amazing, just to kind of wrap this point up, if the Raiders finally got out of having to play on a diamond <laughs> every, like, two or three weeks, and then now they finally move to Vegas, and the A's follow them to Vegas, and they have to play on a diamond again on AstroTurf or whatever the hell, whatever they're going to get their new stadium out of. That'd be amazing. Tradition never changes, right? No. So do we want to go now... Uh, into the Cleveland Browns, they got smoked on Monday. Terrible. Uh, by San Francisco. I'm scared because San Francisco is a good team for, I think, the first time since Colin Kaepernick. I was about to say my lifetime. The only time they have been good in my lifetime was basically when Colin Kaepernick was the quarterback there. Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis and, and uh, Vernon Davis. And they, they had just a, an elite defense. Alex Smith was good too. Alex Smith, eh, yeah. he was better. He was better in Kansas City. 
that was a big thing. Alex Smith was always underrated. I Alex think. Smith was uh, Alex Smith was better when both his legs were were okay. Oh, that's tough. It is. <laughs> I mean, Frank Gore, per usual, not getting the shine. Great, great 49ers running back. Oh, yeah, he was a stud. Frank Gore is going to go down in history as the one guy at the top of, like, all the rushing stats who people are going to be like, who? <laughs> who is this guy? Yeah. But anyway, going back to this game, the controversy that came out of it was not the fact that Baker Mayfield went 8 for 22 and had two fumbles and 100 passing yards. It was the handshake two line. Two picks. Two picks, Two too. picks, too. It was the handshake line. Richard Sherman says uh, that – he got snubbed a handshake from Baker Mayfield, and suddenly 50, 50 different video camera angles of this handshake line come out. And it shows that, yeah, you got it wrong. <laughs> you totally did get a, a handshake or whatever from Richard Sherman. Went on uh, Pat McAfee's show on uh, DAZN, I think it is, DAZN, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, says he's going to apologize. And so that's done and dusted two days, and the the weirdest controversy in the NFL this season is is done and dusted. Yeah, I think that the, one of the parts that people are missing out of this is that the 49ers' defense is real. I just wanted to t- say that. I did not expect them to be that good. And I watched them, and I'm like, either the, the Cleveland Browns' front seven on offense is that bad, or the 49ers are that good. I don't know which one it is really quite yet, but that was the first thing. Second thing, a handshake? Can, what, what is it? Like, okay, I get sportsmanship's really important, but Richard Sherman had an interception that game. They held the Browns to three points. I'm, I'm sorry. If I'm Baker Mayfield, I don't want to shake anyone's hand after that game. I want to go straight to the locker room. before the game. Oh, before the game. Yeah. He, either way, I want to go straight to the locker room. I want to get on the bus, and I want to go home. <laughs> I feel like, well, I do definitely agree with that. I feel like to do a little film study, if we're really going to dive deep into this handshake, <laughs> I do see where Sherman's coming from because if you watch the tape over, it's all over Twitter. It's not hard to find. Uh, you know, every game you watch, players, they're all moving around. They're all, like, making an effort to go shake each other's hands. Mayfield just keeps his feet planted and, like, does, makes no effort. So I kind of, why I do agree, Sherman made a huge deal out of it, way bigger than it needed to be. I do see where he's coming from, where Mayfield is just kind of disrespectful, like, yeah, you come over to me, you come shake my hand. Like, I'm not going to move over to you. For a guy like Mayfield who also made a big deal when Kansas wouldn't shake his hand in college, when I saw that, I was like, really? This guy? The guy who got mad at Kansas to the point where he did terrible, obscene things on the sideline towards their bench? He's the guy that's going to not shake hands with people. And then, sure enough, video came out, and he, he was all right. Colin Kaepernick probably, or not Colin Kaepernick, Colin Cowherd probably uh, hasn't seen the videos yet. But, hey, you know, Baker Mayfield, there, there's going to be a lot of eyes on him all year. And that's why it was amazing to me how there were 50 different camera angles of this, this pregame coin toss that now just seems to be, you know, a, a secondary thought to any part of the game. And people are paying attention to that because Baker Mayfield is at the center of it. And he hasn't done a ton, I feel like, outside of maybe say one or two things in the cases of winning or in the uh, off season. Let me ask you a question. Yeah? How many times in the past year in football have you seen the coin flip on TV? Nah, maybe the Super Bowl. That's about it. Playoffs, right. maybe, and the Super Bowl. Playoffs, maybe. Super Bowl, maybe. Obviously, we see the ones for games that we end up going to. 
but maybe maybe like Thanksgiving. But yeah. besides that, you never see it. So this is only a big deal because Richard Sherman said so. Right. And that's that's the, the thing about it. Like we should be spending our Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays until football comes back on talking about the Browns should be freaking out in Cleveland, but instead we're talking about a handshake. Right. This is just this is masking a problem it's right diversion. now. A huge problem because like you said, the front seven might just be really bad for for Cleveland. I think it is. I think, I think it. Is it I think it is just they have massive blocking issues, and it's it's making Baker Mayfield maybe look a little worse than people think. Because I'm sure people can look at that stat line and say, "Oh, Baker Mayfield, he's a terrible quarterback." But he's not getting a ton of help from his from his offensive line, and it was the case here, and it was the case in that uh, L.A. Rams game. I don't know if he's getting a lot of help from the play calling either. I mean, you can't obviously drop it all on one guy's head. It's a team game. But 8 for 22? Yeah. 100 yards and possibly four turnovers? I mean, okay, I get it. Sometimes things are not going your way, but that's a really bad game. With that game and the handshake deal after and Nick Bosa <laughs> with the flag. Yep. So much drama. It was a terrible, terrible day for Baker Mayfield. And a lot of people are going to be happy about it because they're saying this is what this guy deserves for talking. Right. Like, this guy hasn't done anything outside of talk. He had, like, a good, what, seven games? Yeah. He's had a good seven games. And at the same time, like, I think he's probably in the top half of quarterbacks in the league, maybe. Yeah, I, I think he's probably top half. And But people are going to second-guess him on the basis of him talking. Like, there's tons of, like, you can look at film. I think he came into the year. When he came into the year, I thought he might have been a better quarterback in his division than, say, Ben Roethlisberger. Because mm-hmm. Ben Roethlisberger has just been cooked over the past few years. And through the two games that he played before injury, I may have stood to be right. Now, I don't even know who the third string guy is for Pittsburgh with Mason Rudolph going off with that nasty hit. But, mm-hmm. like, he's one of the better players in his conference now at that position conference i think so conference yeah he's better than i think Ooh. he's better than sam darnold definitely because that's what is someone who i think isn't isn't that's the nfc yeah. that's the afc isn't aren't the jets in the nfc no yeah. they're in the afc <laughs> oh my goodness wow that just completely yeah. i'm trying to think who who would be better than him brady brady. De- brady definitely patrick mahomes patrick mahomes definitely oh, philip yeah. rivers definitely uh, yeah probably yeah um Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew. <laughs> He's definitely How about that? How about of all the quarterbacks that have started this year, coming out of the year, they're like, oh, the Giants should have picked this guy. Can't believe Washington picked this guy. Gardner Minshew is the one that is, has, He's, had his, become a star It's mustache mania. It's mustache mania. I mean, Nick Foles, I mean, even though he's injured, he's definitely still better, I would say. And uh, Deshaun Watson's also better. In the Lamar AFC. Jackson. Lamar Jackson's better. That's still, like, maybe mm-hmm. eight. That's, Nine guys, that's like eight guys right there, give or take. I don't know what. There's 32 teams in the NFL, so there's 16 in each conference. Oh God! If we went to the NFC team players that were better than <sighs> NFC quarterbacks, yeah, <laughs> we'd uh, be, my argument would be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, Nonetheless, it definitely. Nonetheless, would be. for longevity's sake, I don't think it's fair that so many people are highly critical of him, but they're judging him so much based on. Not even necessarily him talking trash, him being 
upfront and honest saying, yeah, we think we can win a Super Bowl. Yeah, we. this is how I feel about my relationship with certain players. This He's is how I feel about – Yeah. They're not used to that. Uh, yeah, NFL teams are not used to dealing with guys who make themselves barely marketable. I, th- I The one person I can think of outside of him in the recent years that has been plastered on almost everything is Aaron Rodgers. And I would say – Compared to athletes across all sports, Aaron Rodgers is probably pretty boring compared to everyone else. And he's the face that's plastered on everything because they're like, well, he's the best player. And Tom Brady even, I would say he's pretty boring. I don't outside, know. Those, those outside every of his video? Twitter. Those outside videos? of his Twitter. Yeah. My favorite part also of, of uh, his video this week was the highlight that they put the over it was a handoff. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that that was, was the best good. part. That so maybe, maybe that's the key to success in the AFC is have – uh, Bill Belichick as your coach and be able to hand it off 20 times a game and be or check and, it down and live to see 42 in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a pretty good uh, strategy if you ask me. What else is there to talk about? We we got to talk about uh the NBA in China cuz that's a whole big deal. And also last night the the 76ers fan got ejected. So what that was, and I'll explain it to Brandon and to uh Matt here. What it is is Two fans came to the 76ers game last night where this they was, played. Was this in China? No, this was in Philadelphia, but they were playing a team from China. Okay. And there were people saying free Hong Kong because the whole basis of what's going on right now, they had a sign up that said free Hong Kong uh, or free HK. And the whole basis of what's going on there in China right now, and it's part of uh, something I'm going to talk about later this week in a column. I don't know if there's a lot of people in the NBA who really understand outside of maybe executives that have to deal with that relationship really closely. What's going on basically is there's a law in Hong Kong right now that would allow uh, the government to send people who are being criminally charged off to countries like Taiwan. This was after there was a murder that happened there and they weren't able to try the guy because they couldn't send him to Taiwan. But including this bill, they can send them to China, where in China there is totally different view on democracy in hong kong there is free democracy there is freedom of speech although it is very limited because like the chief executive officer is assigned by china and like half of the the senate that that makes up laws for hong kong is made up of people assigned from the business sectors in china so this gets political quick this is a big political issue and i think maybe because Maybe it's because the U.S. has just been in its own political mess. And, and in general, there's political messes going on all over the world. This has been one that's kind of fallen out of view. But I can't imagine so a lot of people understand what's going on with it. And so they, the Houston Rockets go to China for a preseason game. Uh, the general manager tweets out support for protesters Darryl in Hong Murray. Kong, Daryl Morey. And... He's in hot water, and I think he could. He'll probably lose his job at the end of the day over this. Really, I think he will. At the very least, because I think the NBA more than anything, they want to re- maintain that relationship, and I understand maintaining the relationship for the sake of growing the game of basketball. Because I would argue, it's I would argue that China, outside of America, it's. Uh, in terms of popularity, it's as popular there as it would be here, and maybe even more, because that's one of the major, few major sports that they have in China. Mm-hmm. Um, what I don't like is them protecting it for the sake of business, for the sake of the monetary value they get out of it. The NBA kind of 
fell into this, and the Houston Rockets kind of fell into this when they drafted Yao Ming. That's mm-hmm. how this whole partnership started. And now they want to maintain it to grow the sport, but what they're also doing by maintaining it is they are showing support for this country that limits freedom of speech. And the NBA came out with a statement that said, yeah, we respect Daryl Morey's freedom of speech, but not enough to say that the freedom of speech should be extended to the people of China and Hong Kong. So so this is also like, so firstly, the fans get kicked out. Finish that part of it for me. Right. I, I got sidetracked. The fans got kicked out by the uh, Wells Fargo Center staff, basically over some rule about it not being related to the event, which, like, you have a Chinese basketball team there. It's kind of related to the event. And we're in America. They have the freedom to talk about whatever they want, really, at an event. I believe they're Asian-American fans as well. They were. They were Asian-American fans as well. Um, and so it's just... Like, the 76ers put out a statement said they didn't have anything to do with it. Wells Fargo Center staff put out things saying they did it because they caused a disturbance in some way, which I haven't seen any report to say that they did anything outside of hold the signs up. But it's it's something where you're hearing ESPN staff get uh, memos saying not to talk about it on air. You're getting... NBA coaches like Steve Kerr, uh, who, and he admitted this freely, you don't hear him say no comment on an issue like this often, but he said no comment on it. And in in part, I think for someone like him, maybe it's a matter of he doesn't have full awareness of the situation and didn't want to say something that made him, that, you know, made a fool of himself. But for people in the NBA, I mean... They have to understand what's going on over there, and they have to be doing this for the sake of of keeping the monetary gains that they'll get from working with China. So I was just kind of curious. So in 2002, they drafted Yao Ming first overall in the 2002 NBA draft. This is where this connection starts with the NBA, the Houston Rockets, and Chinese basketball leagues in China in general, correct? In general, like I think Yao Ming's salary went straight to the Chinese government. Really? Yeah, I think so. I did not know that. All right, so I was just kind of curious as to when Daryl Morey took this job because obviously he's the one that's stemming from this, right? He was not the general manager in 2002. I believe it was Carol Lawson. So now they're starting to have this political back and forth between not just the Rockets in China, which who maybe had started this, but also just in general the NBA and China are in this dispute about freedom of speech. Maury uh, joined the Houston Rockets as an assistant general manager in 2006 and then assumed the role in, I think it's 2012 or 2007. 2007, he became the general manager. So you're uh, essentially, the NBA is trying to maintain this relationship for both for business and connections to China's basketball associations? That's what it seems like, but I, I've been reading up on it a little bit, and it seems like like the Chinese government, they're taking it out more on the Rockets than the NBA, because I have a few bullets. China's top sports network, or China's top sports broadcasting network said they wouldn't air Rockets, game this, Rockets games this season. Uh, Chinese businesses have, spend, have suspended ties with the Rockets, and customers of, of NBA League Pass who live in China and selected the Rockets as their team to watch for the season 
they're making them reselect teams. I don't know if that's true. That's what I heard. But they're making them wow. re- reselect, like, you can't choose the Rockets this season. So from what it seems like to me, they're taking it out more on the Rockets. And I think they – I also heard they're going to make the Nets because I think they've been trying to push a team, like, for all of China to root for, and they've been pushing the Rockets. But it seems like now they're trying to push the Brooklyn Nets is, for, is what I heard. So – so this pretty much stems to the fact of the political differences of the United States and China, correct? That's kind of where this problem starts. Right. Because Daryl Morey, as a United States citizen... Has the freedom to say... What he wants. I support Hong Kong protesters. Mm-hmm. And his thoughts do not reflect the thoughts of the Houston Rockets. Just because he's the general manager of that team does not mean he represents them. That's the other part of this that is, like, super crazy to me, right? Right. So because he's their general manager, the Rockets as a team get the blowback from China, correct? But he himself does not represent the Rockets in terms of their stance on Hong Kong's... And he doesn't represent the NBAs either, because that was the most, like, disappointing thing for me is, yeah, we respect... An American citizen's right to freedom of speech, but because in China they don't have freedom of speech, we're going to say that it's it's not right for Chinese uh, citizens or Hong Kong citizens to have a freedom of speech. That's kind of a touchy one right there. That's a really touchy one. And it's a matter of, I think there there's there have to be people in uh, journalism in the NBA that follow the sport for the likes of ESPN and NBA TV that follow what's going on there and understand it. But I would have to think that there's not a ton, you know. So this isn't something that I think we should be thrown out to the first takes of the world or, or the, the sports radio people I think that could be a the problem. World. That it can be a, a huge problem because I think there's going to be a lot of people ill-informed about it. Mm-hmm. And, and before we came on, I was, like, totally for I kind of want to do a live reaction to this because I knew that it was going to have some sort of, you know, pushback on each end, right? And even more so now that you're telling me and explaining these really delicate topics and subjects that fall underneath this, it's even more important that people don't use this as their A-block material on a first take. or Because, like, again... This is all – a lot of people are probably viewing the issues that are going on in China for the first time. This isn't anything new, the, the relationship between Hong Kong and China. The, the problem right now is obviously this bill. There's also – the Chinese government is building a bridge across the water from one city in China to Hong Kong, which is going to be like 35 miles, something ridiculous. And it, it's going to provide an extra way for the Chinese government to – uh, I guess uh, take people from Hong Kong who they feel as threats to the Chinese government and get them out of Hong Kong where there is the freedom of speech. It's just a, cr- it's just, it's a crazy cultural difference and it's hard to understand for people that are here, even for me to con- conceptually understand that. And this whole thing is way bigger than a basketball business decision, you know? right? And that's what what's it's gonna... crazy to me over anything, and is Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich and people all over the NBA being able to talk about uh, U.S. governmental issues, dealing with racism, be it through statements that the president has made or laws that have been made through Congress, they are willing to let them speak on that. 
they're not willing to let them speak on China, predominantly, I would think, as a business decision, but also, I think, because they feel that they won't understand as well as they understand the U.S. politics. Because we have the U.S. politics in our face every day, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't take a ton to learn about what's happening, not just in China, but in places all over the world. It's kind of crazy to me also that this is this is the the way that this becomes knowledge to you know the American public. You know, it took Cause for, cause basketball because prior, prior to this, I had only seen protests mm-hmm. and videos of you know people getting beat up by police in Hong Kong, not knowing what's going on. It wasn't until last night I was like, wait, before I look into. Whatever Daryl Morey's saying or whatever Stephen A's take is on this, you should probably know what's going on. The background. Right. Well, it's just – it's a huge cultural difference from what we do here in the United States, and it's super hard to understand just – even just from reading articles and understanding from word of mouth of people here because I can't even imagine what's going on over there. It's it's a bit frustrating because it's, it's – like, I know over the summer there was a big controversy. I'm a big follower of, of Dan Levitard. Uh, he's he's a show that I listen to almost every day driving, you know, the 45 minutes I had to go to work over the summer. And he got in a lot of hot water when he said, why do we need a sports angle to talk about certain issues? And that was something I kind of thought with this is, like, it, it shouldn't have taken sports to see these issues going on in Hong Kong. Uh, but it did. But it did. And to that matter, it shouldn't be a matter of stick to sports because, I mean, since the beginning of time, like, <laughs> sports have been leading into other things and politics have bled into other things. And, I mean, it, it's something that definitely, I think, NBA journalists can look at. I don't know if the NBA talking heads like a Stephen A. or Jalen Rose can really look at it or the people on TNT can look at it, but it's something of interest that should be further explored. If, if they can be. Because, again, the Chinese government, you know, they have problems with freedom of speech, and I don't know what trouble that could get journalists into. Uh, speaking of journalists, we have a new journalist to welcome to the world of sports. I love this. <laughs> I love this. I just want to get in front of it. I love it. It's it's a Rob Gronkowski. He's with uh, Fox. Is he covering the NFL or is he covering college? I, I think I, it's NFL. I think it's NFL, yeah. NFL? Gosh, putting him next to, to uh, Terry Bradshaw and Howie <laughs> Long and Jimmy Johnson. Can oh, you imagine? Gosh. Is he going to be – okay, I would love it if he was like Rob Riggle's sidekick for that whole thing. Can you imagine? That would be good. Rob and Rob, and they do that like video montage every single week of Rob Riggle and Rob Gronkowski. That's must-watch TV. I think the move is to just not even put him on Fox Sports and you just put him on the political channel Fox. <laughs> and just let him get takes off. I mean, I think that would be the most entertaining thing. I- I'm very excited because he's just not a very well-spoken person. He's kind of goofy. I- he's kind of quirky. So I- I'm just very excited to hear his, uh, his football commentary. So he's going to have a uh, appearance set for Thursday night's pregame show. Oh, my God. So cancel everything you're doing <laughs> and watch Free up your schedule, the kids. pregame show for Thursday night football because Rob Gronkowski is going to give his takes about the Patriots and their matchup with the Giants. <laughs> <laughs> the best matchup for Rob Gronkowski. I would love. I would love if he flips the script on all of us because he used the words not well spoken. And to be fair, I haven't heard. Uh, 
I haven't thought Shakespearean poetry when I've heard Rob Gronkowski talk before. But what if he just becomes like Tony Romo times 10? What if he's just one of the best analysis guys in the NFL and we find out he's also articulate on taking on <laughs> like <laughs> like the issues we talked about? What if Rob Gronkowski somehow becomes the voice that can talk best about China in all of, of sports talk media? Like, here's the thing that I think he's going to bring for sure, okay? That would be amazing. Don't get me wrong. But Rob Gronkowski is going to make football television fun. Bottom line. And if TV is fun... You watch it. I'm I'm more excited than anything. The NFL allowing guys like him and Pat McAfee and just guys who are more kind of loose with their, their coverage of football just be like, hey, go do you because you're fun and we want to try this fun thing out. It works for the NBA. It's probably the most proactive the NFL has been on anything in a long time. Like Pat McAfee is super, super like casual about his football coverage. I mean, but it's awesome, isn't it? Like for a fan. It may, I want to watch Pat McAfee on Twitter every Monday and Tuesday more than I really even want to watch like Sunday Night Football Countdown show or anything like that. Yeah, I definitely think like less stiff commentary is definitely the way to go, you know, moving forward. But also, I think we, us as a podcast, we should squat on the take that Gronkowski's been putting up this front, like, oh, I'm this big, lovable <laughs> teddy bear. Because I mean, it is hard if you're a Patriots player and like. Who who hates Rob Gronkowski? A lot of people hate Tom Brady. A lot of people hate Bill Belichick. No one hates. No Rob. one hates Rob Gronkowski. So that's very impressive. Number one, that he can be a Patriots player, winning all these rings, and who hates him? Nobody. I mean, I, I've never met someone who said I hate Rob Gronkowski. So I think he's an evil genius, and maybe he's just been like playing like the goofy Labrador Retriever uh, personality, and now he's gonna get into the booth and he's gonna be like John Gruden or like uh, Chris Collinsworth, like breaking down X's and O's. Like that would be that would be, sick. That would That'd be, be amazing. Sick. I wouldn't put it past him. All right, here I got I got something to propose to you, okay? okay. We're gonna we're gonna set like fake betting lines, I guess you could say. <laughs> Who is more likely to come out of retirement first? Fox Sports analyst, Urban Meyer or Rob Gronkowski? Tough. Tough. I mean, have you heard some of the stories from after that Super Bowl that Gronk played in? How he like couldn't sleep for more than twenty minutes at a time? I don't think that guy wants to go back to football. I mean, there have been some like some rumors that he's like, oh yeah, I'll be back by week eleven. So like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like when you tell me that you can't sleep, Urban and Meyer football's doing that to you. Ultimate you should football guy. Stop. Well, Urban Meyer might definitely because they're like people Urban have Meyer? been talking about every job on the planet for Urban Meyer. You taking Urban Meyer? I would take Urban Meyer to come out of retirement before Rob Gronkowski. He could be the DeKalb Barb's head coach by the next time you know. <laughs> I mean, maybe you guys can inform me, but I, from what I heard, my friend was telling me that Urban Meyer left his job at Florida because he said he he, uh, he had a heart attack or he's having medical issues, and that's how he got out of the job, and he said he was retiring, and then he went to Ohio State. So we've seen Urban Meyer do this before, so if I'm betting, if I'm a gambling man, I'm putting all of my money, I'm putting my house on Urban Meyer coming out before Rob Gronkowski. I got Gronk. I, there's no way I'm letting this be an earth, what if, a quake. What if how Urban Meyer... Uh, leaves Fox Sports. He calls up one day and is like, "Hey guys, it's like before the season starts or something." He's like, "Hey guys, I have to go off. I I have a family emergency." And then the Fox Sports people <laughs> turn on the channel and he's co- coaching like USC or something, and just without telling them. What if he was the coach <laughs> of the Michigan Wolverines? That would be <laughs> that'd incredible. be a plot twist, right? Oh, Ohio State would well, burn the campus to the ground. <laughs> that'd be amazing. All right, that's that's pretty good stuff right there, though. Rob Gronkowski versus Urban Meyer, <sighs> comeback season. Who would have thought that connection would be made today? I mean, if you came into this podcast and you're like, at the end of this thing, if I told you at the end of this thing there's going to be a Rob Gronkowski-Urban Meyer connection, you probably wouldn't believe me, but here no, we no, are. No. Here we are. No way. 
But yeah, go read up about China too. <laughs> Super important stuff. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to the Headliners Podcast. Look for episodes every Thursday. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor. Check us out at thenorthernstar.com.